0: to the King of glory. And it's in his name that we pray and ask that you would bless us now with the truth of your word this day. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning and uh, it's such a, a pleasure and a privilege uh, to be in, in God's house with God's people. We do have uh, the regular things, the dinner on the grounds following this service, so please join us. Uh, it's good to see some visitors here this morning, and uh, Lori, it's good to have y'all y'all with us today. And uh, uh, Garrett, that's your mom there, huh? Okay, I was not aware she was coming in, but we're glad to have you this morning, and glad to have our visitors. And uh, we do celebrate and uh, and take communion this morning. So, uh, but as we do. We wanted to uh, focus our attention on, on the um, Palm Sunday and the, the entrance of Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, now we know that, that uh, it was following the triumphant entry that, that Christ, he wept over Jerusalem and, and cried that he, he would have uh, taken them under his arms and yet uh, they would not. Uh, and we see these things unfold here in that, that final week of Christ's passion and uh, what uh, these things are all about. Uh, but the covenants and the promises of God were, were offered to Israel here, and uh, the promises of that coming Messiah uh, as he pr- presented himself was uh, rejected by the nation at the time, and we do look forward to that day and time when our Lord Jesus will return. We know uh, from our studies in Romans, and we'll, we'll study in chapter 11, uh, God's uh, future plan. Uh, that Jerusalem will be trodden under the foot of the Gentiles until the age of the Gentiles is complete. Uh, but there will be a, a day and time when all of Israel will be saved. And so we, we look forward to those days. But this morning we want to consider the presentation of the Messiah. And it's important when we consider these things, when we look at the, uh, the scripture here, that, um, that Jesus has authority over death. And when we, we celebrate communion, we celebrate his death, Uh, We need to to see it in light of what Jesus willingly, the scripture says, and I believe it's Isaiah, that that he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. Uh, And we know that he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem to present himself as the Messiah, as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And at the same time, he was very much aware and very uh, much uh, willing and understanding uh, that he had been given this uh, endeavor by the, the Father uh, for our salvation. So John 10, 17 and 18, uh, Christ again is speaking with his disciples and teaching his disciples and he's told his disciples that, that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me, but I'll be raised up on the third day. And and he's, he's teaching them these, these truths about uh, what uh, the purpose of the Messiah uh, was. And it was different from what Israel understood because they understood the Messiah to enter into Jerusalem and to, uh, to conquer Rome and to reign as king. Um, and so Jesus was teaching them these other things which they could not hear because of their theological perspective on the covenants and the promises that God had given to Israel. But Jesus said this, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Uh, it's important for us to understand that this Lord of Glory, that, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, demonstrated uh, some uh, very powerful things that we could meditate on for all eternity, I think. Uh, but he had authority to lay his life down. No one took his life from him. Uh, and he has authority to take it again. At one point in time, he told his disciples, "Do you not know that I could call ten legions of angels?" Uh, he was the, the, the Lord of glory, and yet willingly he suffered the shame of the cross and went to the cross on our behalf. So I did want to appreciate uh, Luke reading from from Matthew uh, 21 this morning on the on the um, the Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem. But I'd like to uh, look at a a few of these things from the Scripture as we think and consider them this morning. First of all, Jesus submits his power to the Father's will. Uh, Jesus had the power of, of divinity, of deity. He was God, and he... Uh, but he willingly chose to submit to the Father's will. And the Father's will was to deal with the issue of sin, which is what we celebrate this morning, that our Lord Jesus, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, we were saved by the work of Jesus Christ, by his great and deep love for us. And Jesus was willing to Uh, submit and yield his divine powers to the suffering of the cross for you, Uh, personalize it. He was willing to suffer that shame on uh, your behalf for you because of God's love for us. So he submits his will, he submits his, his personal power to the Father's will, and the scripture reads, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them. Okay, so he's uh, preparing. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. And he's making his triumphant entry. And it is glorious. His entry is, is, uh, is received well by the people at the time. And he and it reads goes further to read there, and we uh, look from John 8, 29. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So he submits his will. Uh, he's willing to do the Father's will uh, for the Father's purposes uh, as, in, as Christ in his humanity. And he's that example for us. Uh, And so the question becomes, are we uh, willing to submit ourselves to the Father's will when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it gets impossible? Uh, Even uh, by faith, uh, we're given uh, this example of the Lord Jesus as he uh, submits and yields his personal power. I think there's a, a huge thing for us to consider in regard to, to personal power uh, because we, we use power to, uh, to achieve our will. And whatever influence God gives to us or whatever we have, it's our tendency to pridefully uh, to use power. But Christ taught us by example that uh, the servant leader submits his power to the Father's will. And when we do that, uh, I think those promises that Jesus gave to his disciples, if you ask anything uh, of the Father it, believing, he will accomplish it. And I think it's it's framed within uh, that understanding of the Father's will. Uh, and that we as God's people literally can move mountains, or uh, uh, maybe not literally, but... but uh, Uh, God will do miraculous things through us when we, by faith, uh, step into and submission to his will in regard to knowing and believing his word and and stepping forth. And he demonstrates that, of course, with the the fig leaves and the the tree there, um, which I'm not going to really look at this morning, but it's something to consider, uh, the submission of our personal power to the Father's will and the faith in regard to uh, those things which God will do. Uh, so the Lord Jesus demonstrates these things for us. And then secondly, Jesus has authority over providence, over the things that that happened. Uh, as he's going through Bethphage here, he just tells his disciples, go here and do this and these things will be. Um, so uh, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage, the house in Bethphage means the house of unripened figs. That's the that's what it means. They're, they're green figs. It's just a, kind of a weird name, uh, but uh, and then at the Mount of Olives, when, then Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you. And immediately as you enter in, you will find the colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. So how did Jesus know these things? And uh, of course, uh, we know that that this um, was prophesied in Scripture, so... Um, but the point is that Jesus has authority. He has control over the providential events that unfold. And it's good for us to realize that our Father has control over providence. I often marvel that that Jesus, when he was going to Jerusalem and, and two guys over here were crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. They were blind. And they cried out to Jesus, and Jesus, who was going somewhere, recognized providence, and he he saw with compassion uh, two blind people and healed them. He went off off his projected uh, goal and track for the day, because of the providence of his father, and he does always the things which please the father. So it was a recognition that that God was interrupting his course with a, a providential thing in which uh, he is to act, and, and I think that as believers that we should learn uh, to recognize providence, that when we're going somewhere sometimes God has a different plan, and that uh, providential event as it unfolds is, uh, is an opportunity for eternal fruit to be born in our, in our lives and in our perspective because we're living and walking by faith. <clears throat> and then there's a third point that Jesus has authority over prophecy here, and, and that is uh, we find from uh, Zechariah 9.9 9 that it was prophesied that the Messiah at his coming. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus was fulfilling prophecy here in regard to the coming of the Messiah. And in Mark 11, 4 through 6, they went away and found a colt tied to the door outside in the street, and they untied it, and some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? Uh, they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. The Scripture says, um, and I couldn't help but think uh, that as the the people, here, uh, and we can see some of the. This is a picture there uh, on the uh, the right of your screen of the uh, uh, the Eastern Golden Gate in the, the city of Jerusalem today, and there's uh, the palm leaves. And they took their coats and their palm leaves and they laid them down. But I just want to, to say again and, and make a reference again to the fact that they were looking for a king that would go out before them, uh, that would deal with the Roman tyranny of the day, that would establish Jerusalem as a nation again. And so their perspective of their Messiah was not this lowly and riding on a donkey, uh, but riding in on a white horse because when kings went to battle, they rode a white horse. Uh, When they came as as humble ministers, uh, they would ride a donkey. Uh, So, uh, but in Isaiah, I'm I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 5, uh, we find that the nation of Israel uh, wanted... For Samuel, who was the last of the judges and a prophet, they wanted for Samuel to appoint a king for us to judge us like the nations. Uh, They wanted someone that would go out before them and fight battles and, and deal with the injustice and tyranny of the world and provide the security that a king would provide in regard to military might and strength and Jesus came humble in that day. So a fourth point is that Jesus has authority to save. <clears throat> and again in uh, Mark 11:7 through 10, they brought the colt to Jesus and put on their coats on it and and sat him on it, and many spread their coats in the road and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, so uh, they were, were crying Hosanna, and Hosanna simply means to save us now. It means to, to save now. Um, it's a, a, a cry or a prayer for help. Our salvation. Uh, it can be an invocation of a, of a blessing, um, or an exclamation of praise, and it carries kind of all of these nuances. And I think it was what was meant for Jesus. It's a, a hosanna is a shout of celebration. So um, when when they sang hosanna, it wasn't like us singing overwhelmed there a minute ago. It was like they were exuberant. And the expression "save us now" and an exclamation of praise, um, and uh, uh, but I, you know, I understand about uh, overwhelmed because I couldn't sing the words either because it's a new song. But it's, it's not that. It's just that it's the what was going on in my heart, you know, was was uh, the Lord, and I, as I was looking at those those songs and even even. Uh, uh, Amazing grace, as we're singing, I, in all that I do, I honor you. And I'm going, Lord, do I really honor you in all that I do? And uh, you know, I was asking those questions this morning. I think that's part of what uh, a time of worship and song is: is that we that we encourage one another, and that the songs encourages us toward those those things that that we need in worship and the stimulation of one another. So, I'm very appreciative of the. Uh, the songs and, and uh, the purpose of it. But I, I do have to remind myself, and I know that you do as well, that, okay, I'm here to worship God. I'm here to, to give praise to him and, uh, and here to, uh, to do that introspection uh, of my heart and life in regard to worship of, of the Lord. Uh, it's important for us to do, and that's what that encouragement or uh, is and in regard but here uh it's it's mob celebration and, and it's jews they know how to celebrate they're if, if you've seen them they they get down with celebration type thing but hosanna to the son of david this is a kind of a compilation because uh this uh phrase and what was shouted was probably shouted the different things that are that are here from the four gospels because it's recorded in all four Gospels. And so I put a compilation of that. I hope, can you read those words, or is it too small? But it reads, Hosanna to the Son of David. That's from Matthew uh, 21.9. And then Mark and John say, Hosanna. Uh, And then it says, Blessed is he. Uh, And Luke says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, so he's recognized as a Messiah, the king. uh, Blessed, and then in Mark chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, it's blessed is he, uh, that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. So it tells us what they were celebrating and, and what they were excited about. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And, uh, and John 12 verse 13 says, even the king of Israel. So they were, they were looking for this king. Hosanna in the highest, Matthew 21 and Mark 11, 9 and 10. And then uh, Luke 19 ends with peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So, uh, so you see that, that kind of framework of, of what Hosanna is all about. It's about a celebration of, of God's salvation and of, of God's plan for, for deliverance and, and our, their need for deliverance. So, uh, and then there's a fifth point here that Jesus has authority to clean his father's house. So what does Jesus do? He, he doesn't go in to the temple and, and uh, remove the palace of Antonia and Pilate and all of the Roman soldiers, does he? Uh, but what does he do? He starts with the father's house. He starts on the inside. Uh, so, so when we clean our house, when we get ready, um, you know, we start on the inside, and it's just a principle, but it's, it's, uh, it's Jesus uh, demonstrated and recognizing that, uh, that this is the Father's house, and it's to, meant to be a, 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 a place of prayer. So Mark eleven fifteen through 17 says, Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the temple tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations?" but you have made it a robber's den. So we basically have organized crime taking place in the temple in Christ's day. That's the bottom line there. They were uh, cheating the Gentiles and those that came uh, from overseas, they would come in and they would, they would buy the sacrificial uh, lambs and doves and, and uh, calves and uh, all the things, that the sacrifices that took place. And they were stealing. They were, they were making money off of it. And that's what it became. And so Christ uh, turns on these money changers and, and merchants. Uh, and then there's a sixth point that could be made is Jesus has authority to heal. Because in Matthew 21 it, it says and that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Uh, so we see both the humility of Christ and the expression of his love and uh, the justice of Christ uh, and the power of Christ to be able to run out all of these merchants. I mean, he basically cleaned house uh, by himself. He was a manly man uh, in his humanity Um and so we find in Luke 7 20, uh, 21 and 22, and at that very time he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. Uh, the blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have. The gospel preached to them. So what was Jesus doing? He was proving his his authority as the Messiah uh, through healing and through uh, the reception of, of these miraculous uh, things that reverse the the processes of sin and of death. And ultimately he had just raised up Lazarus uh, there in 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 John, uh, we have the, the description of Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. So in every way, he's proving himself and his authority as the Messiah. So uh, Jesus had not only authority to heal, but he had authority to take away sin. When we consider John 1.29, uh, we find that, that Jesus had the ability to take away sin uh, now at this time I wanted to show you a a quick uh, clip of of our uh, time in Israel a time that we had in Israel and uh, so but I, I have something to say in regard to this because as we were uh, watching a, a bar mitzvah uh, there was a a Jewish man that came up to me and he said uh, he he made a, a statement. Uh, that And it kind of it goes along with what we've been studying in the Book of Romans here. But his, his statement was, you have to keep the law. And he gave me this little pamphlet. I wish that I would have kept it. Um, but I want to show you the celebration of the bar mitzvah. Now, the bar mitzvah is the, the recognition at that time in a young man's life when he becomes uh, officially declared to be a man. Uh, And it's usually, I think it's at the age of 12. Uh, But here is the uh, bar mitzvah that we saw in the the streets of Jerusalem. That's a shofar. We were up on a few stories above and we came down to, to watch. We participated. The sea, city. <laughs> There's our invite here. I don't know if you can see him, but he's. Celebration and a parade, um, but I was I was uh, touched by uh, the uh, the Jewish man that that said, "Well, you must keep the law." Of course, like I was thinking, "Well, he's a Judaizer," <laughs> and uh, uh, but I was very mindful that, uh, and I, I was not quick enough to be mindful to acknowledge that uh, that yes, I I have sinned. But the question that I wanted to ask was, uh, where can I make sacrifice for my sin? And uh, what Christ did was he, he made sacrifice for that sin. And we find there that sin must be atoned for with a blood sacrifice. And uh, Steve and I were on campus with uh, some Jewish, uh, a Jewish organization there uh, uh, in December um, and I was able to ask that question finally, um, but in Leviticus 6:7 it says, "And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for any one of the things which he may have done, in, or in, to incur guilt." Uh, and Leviticus 17:11 says, "For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls." For it is by the blood, by reason, of the life that makes atonement. And so the question that I had for the, the Jewish guy was, well, yeah, that's the law there. But what we've learned from our studies in Romans is that, that, um, that it is the law that, that makes the whole world accountable uh, for our sin. But the, the, the law also teaches that without the shedding of blood, there's, there's no remission for our sins, that it was necessary for Christ to do what he did. So as he presented himself as king, he uh, was also making the point that it was necessary, and he set his face like a flint to endure the shame of the cross. He came on uh, the donkey in humility uh, to bear in his body uh, that sin, and so we find there that he has authority to atone uh, for sin. And we find in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I was able to share, and I would encourage you to maybe to take these verses out of Leviticus for your Jewish friends and, and, uh, and present this idea to them that they don't have a place to make sacrifice for sin today because the temple has been taken because of judgment on the nation of Israel and the Lord and the reason that it's been taken is because the Lord Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, that once for all sacrifice was made for us. And so we celebrate communion this morning. Hebrews 9:22 says, "And according to the law, one may almost say, "All things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness." So this morning we celebrate the f- forgiveness that we find in Christ Jesus and we remember his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, but we also remember his triumphant entry because he is the king of glory and his kingdom will come and his will, will be done and he will reign through the, uh, on the throne of David uh, through the nation of Israel and Jerusalem uh, one day in the millennial kingdom. And we look forward to that day and remember his sacrifice uh, this morning as we gather. So I'm going to ask the men to come, and we will uh, move now to the Lord's table.